Well, good morning. There is no more painful a pain, and there is certainly no more hurtful a hurt than the heartache that can be inflicted upon us by those that we love. To have a wayward son or daughter abandon the principles and the truths that they have been taught brings with it unimaginable sorrow. And yet the pain and the hurt of a prodigal child is insignificant and compared to that most wounding of all hurts, the betrayal of a marriage vow. And it is for that reason, on this Valentine's Day weekend, when lovers remember their beloved, that your pastor asks that I come and tell you my story. For my story is the greatest and most unique of all love stories in all the Bible. You see, my name is Hosea. And my story is the story of a broken vow and a broken heart, a broken home and a broken life. And I suppose in that sense my story differs little from the stories of some people who live in Draper or Sandy or Salt Lake or perhaps even here, right, in Bluffdale. And yet, in spite of my wife's unfaithfulness and her lack of love and her willingness to shame not only me, but her family, and to live her life as a harlot, I remained a faithful husband. And so God has chosen to reveal to you the sad and sordid details of my life and my broken heart, to serve as an object lesson of his love towards my people Israel and to demonstrate his grace and his forgiveness. But I am getting ahead of myself. As I said, I am a prophet of God. And as a young man growing up in Samaria, which was the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel, the son of Berei, I did all the things that a little boy might do. But later on in life, I realized that there was something special about me. I realized that I had been marked out by God to serve as his spokesman. For you see, that is the job of a prophet. But to be a prophet in my day was not easy. For even though we were the people of God, even though we were the descendants of Abraham, even though we had been called to be light in a dark world and to share the message of God's love and God's forgiveness with our neighbors, we did not honor God. And we failed in that role miserably. In fact, we did everything imaginable to provoke our God to jealousy. During my day, Baal worship was everywhere. It was from Bethel in the north to Dan in the south, and sacrifices were offered on those altars. Sacred prostitution with its fertility rites was common. But not only were we, as a nation, morally and religiously bankrupt, we were also weak militarily. During my day, our army had fallen to 50 horsemen, 10 chariots, and 10,000 foot soldiers. 
And as a prophet of God, I had been called to bring my people to the point of repentance. For I knew that it was just a matter of time before that war machine of the Assyrians would come down and take my people captive unless we repented and turned to God. Now as a prophet, I was not alone in my role. Before me, there had been the great prophet Elijah and Elisha. Later, there was the prophet Amos, but I was the last. And the theme of my message was a simple yet serious one. And that is that God was going to punish my people unless we repented of our sins and returned to him in obedience. And it was during those early years of my prophetic calling that I saw her. Oh, I tell you, as soon as I saw her, I was swept off my feet by her beauty. And I knew that not only did I want to meet her, but I also wanted to one day take her as my wife. And so I began to ask around. And I found out that this woman who I was smitten with, her name was Gomer, and she was the daughter of Diblion. And after I met her, I was convinced that she was all that I wanted in the wife. She was young, and she was carefree. She was beautiful, and she was happy. And as a young man, I wanted to meet her. But it was only a matter of time before I realized that the petals of her purity had been plucked by vile and wicked men. Now, as a young man, I brought much to our marriage. I brought the unsquandered treasure of a young man's purity. I came to our marriage bed never having sacrificed myself on some wayside altar of passion and lust. I came to that supreme moment of my life with much to give. And it was in accord with the command of God that I was told to marry this woman of harlotry, somehow hoping that she had changed, somehow hoping that our future would be filled with blessedness and bliss, and that her past would be past, and that her past that was filled with sordidness and shame would be long forgotten. But I was wrong. Now, admittedly, Perhaps part of the problem was me. You see, as a prophet of God, I realized that my nation was about to fall under the judgment of God unless my people repented. And so I gave myself night and day to preaching and pleading for my people to return to Yahweh. And I became so busy that I did not have time for the fun-loving pleasures of my wife. But I realized later that the problem was much deeper than that. I realized that Gomer did not share my heart. My concerns were not hers. The things that I thought serious, she thought stupid. And night after night when I would come home, she would pout and she would complain. And she would say, Hosea, you have more time for preaching than you do for pleasure. You're more concerned with other people than you are me. And so bit by bit, she drifted back to her old ways. And day after day, I would come home 
with more than the sins of my nation resting heavy upon my heart. Night after night I would lay awake long after it was good for me, wandering and waiting for my wayward wife to return. Now as a prophet, I did what all prophet and men of God should do. I prayed. I took my problem to the Lord. And one day it seemed that he answered them as that sweet angel of suffering visited our home. And my wife gave birth to a little boy. Oh, he was so beautiful. I have some pictures I will show you at the end of the service if you would like. But he was beautiful and he was precious. And as I held that little life in my arms, I was confident that this was God's doing. And I believed that that little boy would take his chubby little finger and he would wrap it around the heart of my wayward wife and he would wrap it around my heart and he would bring us together as one. We gave to our son the name Jazreel. Now you may be wondering, why in the world would anybody name their child Jazreel? Because you see, the name Jazreel in my Hebrew tongue means to cast something aside, to fling something away. And so when I named him, I was making my son an object lesson to my people Israel. Because I knew that unless my people repented and dealt with their sins, they would be scattered throughout the world. And so every time in the marketplace, or I would call my child in from playing, and I would say, Jazreel! Jazreel! I was making an announcement to my people that unless they repented of their sins, God was going to scatter them to the four winds. And yet even though God gave us a son, Gomer did not change. Oh, there were tears that were shed and there were promises that were made. But the tears were never hot enough and the promises never quite deep enough to be kept. And in time, there was a second child that was born, a little girl. And we named her Lo Ruama, which means not pitied. And then after our little girl was weaned, there was a third child that was born, a little boy. And we named him Law Ami. Now, what you must realize is that in the naming of these three children, I was doing two things. First, I was telling the story of my life, my life. Because I knew by the time our third child was born that I was not the father of that little boy. And that Gomer had played me for a fool. She had lived the life of a harlot. And that she had become the mother of someone else's child. And so in naming our second son, our third child, Law Amin, which means no kin of mine, I was telling the world that I was the stepfather of that child. But secondly, not only was I telling my story, I was also telling the story and history of my people Israel. You see, our first child was named Jezreel, which means to be scattered. And you will discover 
that no matter where you go throughout the world, you will find colonies of my people Israel. And what's more, you will discover that throughout history, my people have not been pitied. For that is the meaning of the name Lo Ruama. And as far back as one can travel into history, my people have been persecuted. And they have been wrong. They have not been pitied by others. Shortly after my death, my people were taken captive. And they were marched away by the Assyrian army. They were assimilated into that culture. And they were never before heard from again. And then a century later, the nation of Judah was taken away into Babylon. And there we lived for 70 years until we returned to our land and lived under foreign domination. And then soon after my Messiah came, that swine of a man, that General Titus, he swept down into the holy city of Jerusalem. And he burned and destroyed my city. And he massacred thousands of my people. What's more, during the Middle Ages, whenever times were difficult, it was my people that became the objects of other people's frustration and anxiety. And no doubt, even in the memory of some of you here this morning, you recall that the most civilized nation in all of Europe stuffed more than seven million of my people into the ovens of Hitler. You see, unlike any other people in all of human history, my people have been unpitied. They have been mistreated. They have been persecuted. And finally, the name of my third child, Lo-Ami, means that my people have been replaced. And they are no longer the people of God. And it is today that the church is the people of God. Where there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile, where national, ethnic, and social barriers have been broken down, and we are all together one in Christ. And yet, today, while my people have been scattered and unpitied and not the people of God, all of that is someday going to change. For there is coming a time in the future when my people who have been scattered like a farmer would sow his seeds are going to be gathered as a farmer gathers his crops. And that my people who have not been pitied are one day going to be pitied again. And that my people who are not the people of God are going to again be the people of God. But I am getting ahead of myself. Because even though my wife was involved in adultery, even though my wife was sleeping with other men, and I had every grounds for divorcing her, I refused. But then the day came when I was hit by a blow more devastating than the first. I came home, and I found a note attached to the front door of my home, telling me that my wife was tired of being tied down. She was tired of being the preacher's wife. And she wanted her freedom. And she was going to leave me and go do her own thing. My friend, you cannot imagine the pain that I felt. 
that night as I cooked supper for my little children, and as I tucked them into bed that night, and as I listened to their childish prayers, and as I sat with them till they drifted off to sleep, I went to my own room, but I could not sleep. I got up and I began to walk around. And I began to think what the people in my little village would be saying. I knew that gossip like this would get out and spread quickly. And that people would begin to say, Psst, psst, have you heard what happened to the preacher? His wife has left him. She's gone and left him for another man. Serves him right. Here he was telling everybody else how to live, and yet he himself could not keep his family together. What a phony. Who should ever listen to a preacher again? But I knew that there would be others. Those who knew Gomer who would say, Hosea, Hosea, you are better off without her. Better for you, better for Gomer. It is better for the children. But you see, what you do not understand is that I loved my wife. And I could not forget her. Now I knew that she would think as she was bettering herself, as she was promised exotic food and beautiful clothes and a fun-filled week and the carefree life, that things would get better for her. But you see, as often happens, the path of life is filled with twists and turns. And it was just a matter of time before Gomer, having gone from one man's bed to another, found herself in the home of a man who was unable to provide for her the things that she wanted, let alone the things that she needed. And when that happened, I was there, watching in the shadows, and I decided that I would go to that man and talk to him. I decided that I would meet him in the marketplace so that Gomer would not know of our meeting. And I went up to him and I introduced myself and I said, Are you the man living with Gomer, the daughter of Dibleon? And he said, What if I am? And he said, Well, I'm her husband. And he clenched his fist. He thought I was there to fight him. And for a moment, I thought he was going to slug me. He was a big man. He had muscles on his muscles. I'm sure he could be part of the MMA. And I said, wait, wait, wait. You do not understand. I love my wife. And I have noticed that you have not been able to provide for her. So I would like to ask you to do for me a favor. I would like to give you some of my silver and my gold. And I would like you to buy for her the things that she needs. And this man in the marketplace, he looked like I had the scrolls. He thought to himself, this man is nuttier than a fruitcake. And he said, you have got to be kidding. And I said, no. No. And so I reached into my pouch and I pulled out my gold and silver coins. And I gave them to him. And he took them. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. You are saying, Hosea, that does not make sense. 
That is not logical. Hosea, you must have been out in the sun too long without your turban on and your brain has been cooked. You see, why would the man put out good silver and gold for a woman who had played him for a fool? And I would agree with you that it doesn't make sense. But what you must understand is that love has reasons that reason cannot reason, and understanding that understanding cannot understand. Now, I can assure you it was not an easy thing for me to do because I knew that this vile, wretched man would go out and buy things for Gomer with my money. And when he would give those things to her, she would smother him with affection for the things that my money had bought. And yet I simply watched in the shadow in patient agony as that lustful wretch of a man was thanked for the things that my love and my money had provided. Now before you get too angry with Gomer, you must realize that you and I do the same thing every day with God. Because every day God gives to us good things. God fills our tables with rich food. He gives us clothes to wear, a warm home to live in, automobiles to drive. He gives to us the pleasures of life. And we accept them. And we thank everyone and everything but the God who is the provider of them. We thank our friends. We thank our employer. We thank Donald Trump. We thank for the strength of our own right hand and we thank everyone and everything save the God from whom all blessings flow. And you may be saying to me, Hosea, does God really love us that way? And my answer is yes. You see, you and I are a people who have been going our way, own way. We have been enslaved to our own desires, passions, and pleasures. And God comes and he provides for us and he pursues us and he loves us with an unrelenting love. And that is our God. And there is none like him. Well, as I said, while Gomer was playing the harlot, I did all that I could to keep her happy and to provide for her. But the day came when she had to eat the bitter crops of the bitter seeds that she had planted. And I made the decision that I would no longer provide for her. Now God often does that to us, does he not? After we have a season of sowing. God allows us to go through that valley of despair and to experience trouble and heartache so that you and I in time will turn to God and go through that door of hope and salvation that is open to all who will come. And that is what happened to Gomer. For eventually she fell into the hands of a hard and cruel and unloving man who was unable to meet her basic needs and who no longer cared for her. And so he decided that he would sell her into slavery. Now what you must understand is that in my day, every city of any size 
would have a time and place where people would be bought and sold as cattle. Slavery in my day was an institution. And when a woman would be sold, she would be forced to stand before the gaze of the crowd, stripped of her clothing. And it was to such a place that Gomer was taken to be auctioned off as a slave. And it was to that place that God instructed me to go. And I remember it well. I remember the whispers of the crowd as they realized that I was there as Gomer was placed on the auction block. And people begin to whisper. People begin to say, well, he's come to see her finally get what she deserves. He certainly waited a long time to see her punished. And then the bidding began. Ten pieces of silver, and I said twelve. Thirteen pieces of silver, and I said fourteen. Fifteen pieces of silver, and I said sixteen pieces of silver, a homer of barley and the measure of wine. And with that, the bidding stopped. And the auctioneer said, sold to the prophet Hosea. And as I went forward to get my wife, I could hear the rumors and the whispers among the crowd again. That's a mighty high price to pay for vengeance. It's a pity he had to put out good silver, barley, and wine to punish a woman who had played him for the fool. He would have been better off had he sold her to a man more cruel than the one who were selling her. Or to worse still, to have her sold to another woman. But I went forward, and I took off my coat, and I covered her nakedness. And I said to her, Gomer, Gomer, you are to come home with me. You are to no longer live as a prostitute. You are no longer to be intimate with another man. Come here, I want you to come home. And I want you to be faithful to me as I will be faithful to you. And I took her home that day. And I loved her back to health and happiness. Now I know what some of you are thinking right now. You are saying... How can the man do that? How can the man go before men and women and pay for a woman who has played him for a fool? How can the man who has been so wronged by his wife buy her back and redeem her for himself with good silver, barley, and wine? My friend, the answer to that question is found in the book. It is found in the book of Hosea, in the Old Testament scripture where my story is told. For we are told in Hosea 3, verse 1, The Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man, and she is an adulteress. Love her. As the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. You see, the reason 
that I was able to love my wife is because God's love had been shed abroad in my life and in the life of my people. And my life and story is the story of God's love and God's grace and God's forgiveness towards us. And what God is asking of us this morning is that you and I show that same kind of love and forgiveness to people who have wronged us. My beloved brothers and sisters, the great lesson of the Bible is not that God loves us for what we are, but that God loves us in spite of what we are. God loves us when we are in rebellion. God loves us when we are his enemies and we are going astray. And God loves us and he provides for us and he pursues us and he has purchased us, not with perishable things like silver and gold and barley and wine, but with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I this morning can do nothing to cause God to love us more. We have been bought and we have been purchased with the precious blood of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is all of grace. It is all of love. It is all of mercy. It is all of his favor. And this morning behind the blood-stained cross beats the heart of an infinite God of love. And if you are here this morning and you do not know God, God is not lost, but you are. And God has pursued you through a blood-stained cross and the tunnel of an empty tomb. And he has provided for you and he pursues you through life in the midst of your sinning and going astray. And he comes to you and he singles you out in advance and he tops you on the shoulder. And God is asking you to respond to his love in the person of Jesus Christ and to trust him. And God is waiting. He is waiting for you to stop running and going astray. Well, that is my story. I trust that you have appreciated it. I want to thank Pastor Doug for allowing me to come and tell my story. For it is not an easy story to tell. But I must be going now. I am meeting some of my friends at the club to watch the Daytona 500 on the big screen. I am going to be eating some gazelle that my good friend Josiah killed the other day. I want to tell you that the chef, the chef at the club, oh my goodness, he knows how to make and cook gazelle so that it will melt in your mouth. And it is my prayer that God will bless you that God will pour out upon you his grace and his forgiveness. That is my prayer. Shalom Alakam.